The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. He gives a great illustration. We've been talking about illustrations. God's used these to deliver to us the illustration that we're one body in Christ. And we've been talking about how the church is the body and we're a living, organic organism. We're not just an organization. We're not a business. We're a body. And God has fitly joined us into his body. And we're many members. We don't have the same office, but we're one body in Christ. And and we're not to be jealous uh, of each other. We're to work together, function together uh, for the uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit and uh, by the love of Christ uh, to impact this world uh, for the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make a difference. And, and that we want to be used of the Lord. And God gives a great illustration. And I don't know about you, but the day I got married is one of the greatest days in my memory. And I remember getting there and wanting it to be over. I didn't care about the ceremony. I didn't care about all the details building up to the ceremony. That's why I didn't really have anything to do with it. Uh, I didn't care about all that stuff. I just wanted to show up, put the ring on, and get out of there. And I was happy to be married and happy to greet all the people that were there. And and I I tell you, I was just excited to begin a, a relationship with my wife. And I was excited about being one with her and excited about uh, being together in this life and having a, a partner and having a, a someone to confide in and, and be able to walk through this life. And I, I tell you this morning, there's nothing, 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 uh, probably greater in decision that you can make in your physical life beyond salvation, like when you get married, like the day that you get married, because it changes your life. It, it changes you. And uh, it's not to be taken lightly or loosely. It's not to be based on something that the world has drummed up or created. It's, it's supposed to be something sacred. It's supposed to be something sanctified. It's supposed to be something that's, that's a wonderful uh, picture of Christ's relationship with his church. And, and boy, does not Jesus love the church? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he said, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. There are far more instructions in Ephesians 5 to the husband to depict to picture, to symbolically represent uh, Jesus Christ to his wife, to, uh, to this world of a relationship, a perfect relationship that God has with his church. Can I say this this morning? We have a good husband in Jesus Christ. We have, we have a, a, a solid, uh, firm, faithful, never wavering, uh, always loving, unconditionally uh, uh, merciful and forgiving in, in our lives. And Jesus is wonderful. And it, it's wonderful to be in a relationship with him. It's not grievous. It's not upsetting. And the day you get saved should be like a wedding. The day you get saved should be like, I'm going to enter into a relationship with Jesus and we're together and nothing is going to separate us and nothing is going to break us up and nothing is going to tear us apart because he says, nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation. And just like that, a husband says, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, sickness and health and poverty and wealth, till death do us part. That is the way that we live the Christian life. We're in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're committed. He's committed to us, and we need to be committed to him. And that's what it, it takes two people in a, in a relationship. It takes commitment from both people to make a relationship work. Isn't it interesting that he's committed to us? 
The Bible says that I know in, in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And Paul said, when I entered in a relationship with Jesus, I made a commitment to him, and I know he's able to keep his commitment, and I know he's able to keep my commitment. I know that when I waffle and when I waver and when I fall and when I sin and when I do things I shouldn't, that he doesn't fail, that he doesn't forsake, that he's there to pick me up, that he's there to keep me from falling, that he's there to forgive me, that he's there to cleanse me, that he's there to make me whole, that he's there to restore me and to love me and to nurture me and to keep me. And that's the relationship, the wonderful marriage relationship that the church has with Jesus. And you know what the service should be? It should be like a wedding. It should be like a celebration. And when we come to church, we dress for the wedding in a sense of in our minds, spiritually speaking. We come because we're coming to celebrate the day we got saved. We come to celebrate the day he rose from the grave. We come to celebrate the victorious life we have in Jesus Christ. And we come to make a great celebration because a marriage is something to celebrate. And that's what Jesus said. Hey, I'm married to you. I'm committed to you. I love you. I'll nurture you. I'll lead you. I'll guide you. I'll supply you. And I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. And that's the God that we have. He's a wonderful Savior. And and that marriage is something that God's given to us to depict that. And physically speaking, we understand that it meets some needs. And I want you to firstly, if you're following along in the handout there, see number one, the purpose. The purpose that he gives us in marriage. And there's some physical purposes that he gives us in this physical marriage relationship that we have. But we also see them spiritually speaking. I know that uh, when I got married, it met some, how about you this morning, emotional needs. Some emotional needs. The Bible says that uh, a man, it's not good for a man to be alone. Now, how many have ever seen a man live alone? And you know it's not good. It's not good. And I don't care how good you think you are, how organized you think you are. A bachelor pad looks like a bachelor pad. Whether it's a clean one or a dirty one, it still looks like a bachelor pad. And I'll tell you this morning, it is not good for men to be alone. How many wives you know that it's not good for your husband to be alone? Uh, It's not good. And God knew that. It met some emotional needs. Can I say this to you this morning, spiritually speaking, the purpose in God's marriage relationship with you is that it's not good for you to be alone. That God did not leave you alone. He never intended anybody to be alone. He never intended for anybody to uh, feel forsaken or, or downtrodden or depressed or discouraged. That God does not leave us alone. That he is always with us. That he is always there for us. And if you feel alone this morning, you're not alone because Jesus is is there for you, and uh, he's there to meet your emotional needs, and we see some, uh, uh, number one, underneath the purpose, emotional needs that are met, or emotional purpose that's met. There's another uh, purpose that's met, and, and we see that also in Genesis one twenty eight that God told him to bear children. There's a social purpose for these things, and, and that is reproduction. We see that it's good for our society, for good marriages, for good families to bear children, and, and to bring about another society, another generation, another, uh, if you would, offspring that's in this world that's going to carry out, that's going to continue, that's going to innovate and improve on uh, what's been done 
beyond, beyond our life. And we want to, if you would, in bearing children and reproducing, let our lives have an impact in decades beyond our years. And, and uh, you know that, uh, socially speaking, if you have children, you've done that. And you know that uh, if the Lord blesses them with children, that you're going to see decades and decades and decades. And I'm thankful that God saved mom and dad this morning. And I'm thankful that he saved them. And I got to grow up in a Christian home. And now my children are grow up in a Christian home. And, and God has literally changed the direction uh, that our family was going in, the direction that uh, our family was spiraling down to, if you would, the despondency, the despair, the brokenness, God made whole, and he's impacted generations uh, because of that. He's going to continue to do that as we're faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see a social need that's met or a social purpose that's fulfilled uh, in marriage. We also see a physical purpose that's met in marriage. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, the Bible tells us that we're to render to each other due benevolence. And doesn't everybody have physical needs? We know that's the truth. You listen to the world, they think their physical need is more important than their spiritual need. But what we found out as Christians is our spiritual needs got met and our physical needs got met too. That uh, God could meet both. That God's able to uh, give us physical relationships that don't have guilt, that don't have, uh, I, I wish I wouldn't have had a, uh, that don't have a, I wish I would have made another choice, that I'm sorry that I gave in, that I'm ashamed of myself for what I've done, and the world is giving relationships like that, and God can give a pure marriage bed that's undefiled in all things, and meet physical needs and lives of people, and you don't have to have your physical needs met outside the realm of marriage. God's given us a beautiful love relationship called marriage, and boy, Boy, you can enter into that and have peace and longevity and satisfaction, and God promises that. But isn't it interesting that even so, uh, physically in a marriage, our needs physically are met through our relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I had some physical needs when I got saved, and Jesus, my God, shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's not just able to fulfill and meet my spiritual needs, but he can meet all my physical needs this morning. As we uh, talked about the Warners, I know that's a physical need, but we have a big God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he doesn't need us to meet that need. He, he doesn't have to use us to meet that need. He can meet that need without us, but he asks us to. He gives us an invitation to. He invites us to. He promises to bless us if we will, and we can have a and we can, we can play a part in this wonderful will of God uh, in this world today. And I tell you, I want to be a part as much as I possibly can in helping to physical, meet the physical needs of people today. People have physical needs, but they have spiritual needs too. And we see a spiritual purpose uh, uh, met also in marriage. The, the fourth one, a spiritual purpose. And Paul indicated a spiritual purpose in marriage as the husband and wife experience with each other, the submission and the love of Jesus Christ. And in verse number 22, he says, Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. He said your relationship with Jesus should teach you how to have a relationship with your husband. Your relationship with Jesus should teach you how to have a relationship with friends. Your relationship with Jesus should teach you how to have a relationship with other church members. Your relationship with Jesus should teach you how to have relationships with co-workers. Your relationship with Jesus should teach you how to have a relationship with your enemies. God teaches us how to have all other human relationships through our relationship with him. 
And how many know if your relationship with Jesus isn't right, then all your other relationships will fall apart as a Christian, that it all comes off of your relationship with Jesus. And let me say this to you this morning. If you're not in a good relationship with Jesus this morning, it's not Jesus' fault. He never left you. He never forsook you. It's not his fault. We forget him. We wander away. But still, does he love us wherever we stray? Back to his dear loving arms will we flee when we remember that Jesus loves me. Aren't you glad he loves you this morning? You can be in a right relationship with him if you'll come to him he won't cast you out if you ask him to forgive you he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness he will not cast us out he's a good father he's a good husband he's a good person to be in a relationship with and I hope you realize that this morning there's a purpose in marriage there's a purpose for the wedding and just like uh, uh, just 13 years ago last week uh, uh, I slipped on this ring, and I understand some of you, I'm not married anymore. I took my ring off. No. This didn't make me married. Uh, the, the type of material that it's made out of didn't give my marriage any more value. The, the size of the stone in the ring didn't make it more important. And boy, we see that again and again today, don't we? We see people putting thousands upon thousands and thousands of dollars into a day and ignoring the rest of their life. They'll, they'll spend countless thousands of dollars. They'll go in debt for one day, and they won't spiritually acknowledge God in the rest of their relationship. It isn't that sad, because they'll come together, and they'll read 1 Corinthians 13, and they'll go through uh, the passages of Scripture that talk about love, and they'll ignore all the ones that talk about staying away from this and not doing that, and if you love me, you keep my commandments, and uh, what real commitment means, and we know we're in a day and age where people use the word love loosely, where they don't mean commitment, where they mean that if circumstances change, then our relationship changes, and uh, I tell you this morning that this is a symbol of a never-ending love. It's a symbol of a never stopping, uh, always forgiving, uh, always being there uh, to uh, pick us up. How many know that Jesus should have left you a long time ago? He should have left me a long time ago. I I went and played the harlot spiritually on the Lord. I've committed spiritual adultery on the Lord again and again, and so have you. If we're being honest this morning, as much as we look down our nose at people that are not committed, if you would, the way they should be committed, how are you in your marriage relationship with Jesus Christ this morning? Does it symbol an an unending love, uh, unfailing love? How dare we look down our nose because someone committed a physical sin while we sit in our spiritual sin? We won't acknowledge God. We won't turn to Him. We won't give Him what's due to Him. And we ignore God and we think everybody should just behave the way that they should when we're not in a right relationship with God. It's sad sometimes how how we treat Jesus, isn't it? It's sad sometimes how we ignore our husband in Christ. It's sad sometimes how we don't do what he's asked us to do. It's sad sometimes how he wants to meet us every day in fellowship with us and spend time with us like a good husband should with his wife. And he wants to nurture us and he wants to care for us. And we say, I got no time for you today. I, I don't, I'm too busy doing uh, everything else. And I don't, I don't want to commit uh, to this relationship. And I won't give. I'm just in it to take. What a sad relationship that is. That's not a Christian relationship. We have the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's given us a great purpose in this wedding. Number two, and lastly this morning as we uh, look at our text, uh, he's given us a pattern. And I want you to see this pattern that he gives us because the pattern is set up in his example. The pattern is set up in what he's shown us, what he's illustrated to us. He said, husbands, 
love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So what he's saying is, here's a pattern. I want to show you a pattern. I want to show you an example. And the pattern is this, and I want you to see just three things this morning. The Bible tells us that the pattern for a man loving his wife is that he will give her sacrificial love. He give a sacrificial love. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, and what? Gave himself. It speaks of what? Sacrifice. It doesn't mean he gave up his hobbies for us. Like we think sometimes, oh boy, I've got to give up my hobbies if I'm going to serve God. I've got to, oh boy, I can't do this and I can't do that. And and the pastor's always asking us to sign up for this and sign up for that and serve and give here and give that. Doesn't he know how that's going to cramp my style and how it's going to keep me from living my life the way I want to live my life? Yes, I do know, and I know my responsibility to call you to it every single time because we're not in this life to be committed to this world or our fun or our frivolity or our enjoyment. But I can tell you this, that is enjoyable, that is satisfying, that is awesome to serve God. And there's nothing like it. And sometimes we'll replace all of our time and our energy doing things for ourselves in this world. And we say, well, I'm sorry, I just don't have time to show up. I'm sorry, I just don't have time to be there. I'm sorry, I don't have time to whatever. And I'll tell you this this morning. You know, if every time uh, your husband invited you to a dinner, every time he wanted to meet with you, every time he wanted to go out on a date with you, you showed up 10, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour late, you never called, you never said where you were, you never showed up to be a part, what kind of message do you think that that would send? And God says, hey, listen, don't ignore my house. Don't forsake the assembling. Don't ignore service. Join in a body. Be a part. Be committed to the local New Testament church. And uh, that's what he's called us to. And isn't it amazing how we have every excuse? I'm washing my hair, God. I can't go out on a date with you today. You say, that's ridiculous. Well, Jesus gave the illustration when he called all those people to the feast, didn't he? And they said, well, I bought a piece of land and I got job responsibilities. And one man even said, well, I married a wife. And the reason why I can't show up is because I married a wife. And oh boy, what a, bad, uh, what a bad excuse that is. We use family for excuse why we can't serve God. We use finances for an excuse why we can't serve God. We use our personal freedoms for an excuse as why we can't serve God. And God says, I gave it all for you. I stretched out my hands and said it was finished. I bled every drop of blood on an old rugged cross so that you could have this abundant life in Christ and you don't have one hour for me. You don't have 10 minutes for me in the morning. You don't have a few seconds for me. Hey, come on, I don't care what day it is. This is the Lord's day. It's his day. It's not about you today. It's about Jesus today. It's not about me today. It's about Jesus today. And we better make much of Jesus because he's a wonderful savior. It's a sacrificial love. We said it's a sacrificial love, but we also know it's a sanctifying love. It is a sanctifying love. Love. Look at verse number 26 of Ephesians 5. He says that he might what? Sanctify. You you there? You with me, church? Talk to me a little bit. That he might what? Sanctify and what? Cleanse it with the what? Washing of the water by the word. You know what's awesome? Read the book of Hosea and you'll find out who you are. If you read the book of Hosea, you'll find out that Jesus is Hosea. 
and it's your Gomer. And I don't mean Gomer Pyle this morning. I mean Gomer in the book of Hosea. Gomer was a prostitute. Gomer played the harlot. God told Hosea to go in and take her to be his wife. And I know about you, but that's not a good decision to make ordinarily. But God told Hosea to go take her to be his wife. And guess what she did to him after he married her? She went and played the harlot again. And God told Hosea, you go back and you get her, and you take her, and you bring her home, and you clean her up, and you take care of her, and you love her. Guess what she did after that? She went and played the harlot again. And God said, Hosea, you go down there where she's at, and you get her, and you love her, and you clean her up, and you forgive her, and you help her, and you nurture her, and you love her. And she did it again, and she did it again. Can I tell you this morning, you say, well, that's not me. That's what we did to God. God loved us. He, he came down to this earth. He gave everything for us. And we, spiritually speaking, were in love with another lover. We were in love with the world. And by the way, we know the world is many lovers. It's idolatrous. It's polygamous. It's just free love. It's all out there. Whoever you want to, whatever feels good, do it. However you want to, do it. And that's what we were in love with. And God says, hey, when I came into a love relationship with you, I knew what you were. You were a harlot. You were a prostitute. Uh, You were a sinner. You said, oh, no, you don't understand. I was a good this. I was a good Catholic. I I was a good Baptist. I was a good, you fill in the blank, and you thought you were good. But uh, listen to me, your goodness didn't nail Jesus to a cross, friend. Your religion didn't nail Jesus to a cross. Jesus didn't bleed because you were good. He bled because you were bad. He bled because he was underneath the wrath of God. And he was underneath the wrath of God, not because of his sin. He was made to be sin for us who knew not sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. And I'll tell you, he got us ready for the wedding. He cleaned us up, didn't he? And can I tell you this morning, he's not done cleaning you up yet. And aren't you glad? Smell your neighbor and say, he's not ready to, done cleaning you up yet. You know, you know that he's not done uh, ready cleaning you up yet. And he's not finished. And aren't you glad he's not finished? That God is, is still in the cleaning up business. And, and there's no mess too big that Jesus can't clean up. Uh, there's no one that's too small that Jesus doesn't care about. And there's nothing that someone's done, someone's done that Jesus can't forgive for. So stop thinking you're too little. You're too small. You've done too much. You had too bad of a reputation. I'll tell you this morning that Jesus doesn't care because he already knows what you are. And he loves you anyway. But can I tell you this? He's not going to leave you how you are. He's not going to accept your lifestyle. He's not going to say, oh, that's okay. He's not going to say, I don't want you to live that way. He's going to say, hey, listen, I love you, and I entered into this relationship with you, and I'm going to clean you up. And aren't you glad he cleans us up? Because I couldn't clean myself up. You ever see a little kid after they ate ice cream? You say, uh, uh, did you clean yourself up? Yes, all clean. Did you wash your hands? Oh, yeah. They got it all over their arms, up to their elbows. They got a couple fingers that aren't covered with that sticky ice cream. And they said, oh, I cleaned myself up. Listen, we thought we did through religion. We thought we did through our relationships. We thought we did with all our resources. But we forgot that we could not clean ourselves up. But when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, when we could not do for ourselves, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he cleaned us up. And he says, in this marriage relationship, I'm going to clean you. 
By the washing of the water of the word. You know what you need to do tomorrow? You need to open up the washing of the water of the word and say, God, it's Monday. I was in church yesterday, but I'm still dirty and I still need to be cleaned up. And I've come to your word and God, would you cleanse me? And God, would you help me? And God, would you wash me? Because the world has nothing to clean me with and I need your word to clean me. And you open up God's word and he'll clean you up. He'll help you. Yes, he will. He won't stop doing it. He'll keep doing it every day. And boy, you know where the water is and you know where the soap is. You ever ask your kids if they wash their hands and they come back and say, yes, I did. And you said, did you use soap? He said, did you take a shower? Sure, I did. Did you wash your hair? Did you use some soap or did you just turn the faucet on? And some Christians think because they come into church and they hear the word, they walked in the bathroom and turned the shower on and they listened to it fall, the pitter-patter on the shower. They might even sang a tune while they were in there because they loved the acoustics and the sound, uh, what it sounded like when they were there. And they listened to the water and they listened to the water, but they never got in and got clean. They never let it on them. They never let it in them. They didn't get the soap. They didn't get clean. And Jesus says, if you'll be a hearer of the word and not a doer, you're deceiving yourself. You're like a kid that goes in there and turns the water on but never takes a shower. Never gets clean. And you can come to church and leave dirty. You can can come into God's house and be with God's people. Leave the same way that you left before. You've done it and I've done it. But we've got to determine to let the word of God wash us. We need the washing of the water of the word. Not only is it a... Uh, Is it a sacrificial love and a sanctifying love? But can I say this lastly this morning? It is a satisfying love. It is a satisfying love. He says in verse number 28, So ought men to love their wives as their what? Their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. Even as the Lord, the church, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. What's he saying? He's saying it satisfies. He says when you love the way you should love, it's satisfying. It's like you got loved. You know, everybody in this room wants to be loved. You with me? I don't care the meanest old cuss in the room. Everybody wants to be loved. And uh, you can say, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I don't care how anybody treats me. I don't care what people say to me. And I've seen people use that front even in church. And I don't care and I don't care. But everybody cares. Everybody wants to be loved. And you know what God says? If you love the way you should love, it'll be like you being loved. It satisfies. All of us want to be loved. He says to the husband, if you love your wife the way I'm telling you to love, you'll get loved back. You'll be loved. People will love you. But he's not talking about that. He's saying this, the love that I have for you is enough. It satisfies you. In other words, you don't go in the marriage relationship and she doesn't say, if, if you love me, I'll submit to you. And he doesn't say, if, uh, if, you, if you submit to me, I'll love you. God says, these are your requirements. This is what you do. But can I say this in our love relationship at the wedding with Jesus Christ? He loved us before we knew him. 
He loved us before we knew His name. We love Him because He first loved us. We don't love because, in a sense of we thought, boy, you know, it would just be nice to be in a relationship with Jesus, and I would like to go to heaven, and I don't want to go to hell. What happened was, it went beyond that. It wasn't about the consequences. It wasn't about, I want to go to heaven, I don't want to go to hell. See, if that's all you're looking at, you're missing the point. Because I don't get a marriage relationship because I think it might be okay, it might be fun, uh, I just don't like the consequences of living alone. How many know that's a bad reason to be in a marriage? Well, I just don't want to be alone, and this person kind of likes me, so I think we'll get married. Well, that doesn't last. Well, I, I don't like my circumstances, and I don't like the direction I'm going, and, and maybe I'll just get married. How many know that uh, finances is not a good reason to just get married? You know, I always tease my mom. She's a Canadian citizen. She still has her green card. But I told her, I said, that's why you married dad, because I can't think of any other reason why you'd have married him. <laughs> but that's not a good reason to get married either. But we understand that Jesus came and he looked at us and he saw us how we were. And he said, I love you. As a matter of fact, I've loved you before you were ever born. I loved you before you knew my name, before you knew what I did on the cross. I've always loved you. I've made you with a purpose. I'm here for you, and I want to be in a relationship with you. He's not in, he does not just want to bail you out, friend. God's not a bank. He's not just there to give you a loan and bail you out of your situation. God wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to be joined together. Guess, guess what? The Bible says this, he says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and these two shall be what? One flesh. You know what happened when we got saved? We're not our own, we're bought with a price. Why? Because we entered into a relationship, a marital one with Jesus, and now we're one flesh, but it's not our flesh, it's Jesus. So it's his will, it's what he wants, it's what he desires. And uh, he says to the husband, he said, hey, husband, your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to your wife. And she says, hey, lady, hey, wife, your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to your husband. And you belong to each other, and you both belong to Jesus. And get this, he says to us, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, because he cares about what you do. He cares about what you wear. He cares about where you go. He cares about what you put in your body. He cares about what you do with your body. Your body belongs to him. He says, you're not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your spirit was dead, and you hath he quickened, which were dead in the trespasses and sins. He took that which was dead, your spirit. He made it alive again, and now our spirit bears witness one with another that we're the children of God because we have spirits that are alive today because of Christ. You know, this life that you have that sometimes we ignore, it's a life that we have. It's been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I tell you, the wedding is something worth celebrating. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. 
Thanks for tuning in.